0: Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. you would grab your Bible and turn to Psalm chapter 13. And as usual, we're not going to read it just yet. Spend some time kind of preparing our minds and our hearts um, to see what it is that the Lord is going to say through this passage. The Lord has created us with the capacity to feel and experience a wide range of emotions and incredible depths of those emotions. Our anger can be explosive. Sadness can turn into incredible depression. Happiness can be overflowing and bubbling over that it's contagious. This depth and height of emotions is certainly an extension Of the Lord's glory and his character. His joy is higher. His anger is hotter. And his sorrow is deeper than what we could imagine. You know, it need only to look at the life of Christ to confirm this. He wept outside of the tomb of Lazarus. He was in extreme anguish in the garden of Gethsemane. This is not to suggest that the Lord's emotions are anything like ours. He's not emotional. He's not moody, but simply that he feels. Even in our extremes of emotions, we don't touch a candle to what he feels. Our sadness has never matched his sorrow for sinners lost in sin. Our anger has never matched his anger towards sinners dead in sin. And our happiness has never matched his happiness over sinners repenting of their sin. The word says that there's a fiesta in heaven over one sinner who comes to repentance. Yet in our time on this earth, we will experience a wide variety of emotions. We often will hear about the joy of the Lord and how we should enjoy our life in the Lord, but what about when I don't? What about when life is just plain old hard? We feel it when we lose a family member, when a member of the church leaves, when we get a bad doctor's report, when we have a rough day at the office, when we've been trusting God for something and praying about something and He just doesn't seem to ever answer. What do we do with our anxiety? These are important questions that we ask. And believe it or not, the answer is not just get over it. Fake it till you make it. You should be happy. Just be happy. Try harder. It's not the answer. And this is why I love the Psalms. Because all throughout the Psalms, we find the wide range of emotions in the Psalms, one of the many things we come to learn is that your human emotions, what you feel, it's not bad in and of itself, but it's what you do with how you feel. It's what you do when you get depressed, when you get angry, when you're even joyful and happy or anxious. It shows us what to do with those emotions, namely how to worship God no matter What our feelings say. We learn that we are to take our emotions and feelings to God and not make them God. Our emotions we feel, but our emotions don't dictate what we do. With that in mind, let's stand one last time. You're getting a leg workout this morning. Let's read Psalm chapter 13. This is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you in this hour, Lord. I ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear great and wonderful things from your word. I pray that you would encourage us and comfort us this morning. I pray that whoever needs to hear this, Lord, that they hear it not from me, but that your words speak right directly to where they're at, Lord. I pray that you examine my heart. May the meditation of my mind and my heart be ever-pleasing to you, Lord. And may you be glorified this morning. In your holy name we pray, amen. The Psalms are beautiful. In case you didn't know, I know most of you would win in Bible trivia. But in case you didn't know, the Psalms, this was actually the hymnal, if you will, for the Israelites. They would sing the Psalms. This was a song, (laughs) as sad as it is. And when I was growing up, they had a style of music called emo. It meant emotional, sad music. And oftentimes, David writes some of the saddest music. At least it starts off sad. I'm convinced if David were around today, he'd be prescribed Prozac. Some of the things he says, I'm like, David, you were a king. Was it really that hard, David? Come on. But from that we learn that so often we exalt these great characters in the faith. And we think, man, they've never, they haven't dealt. That's easy for you to say, David. It's easy for you to say, Paul. That's easy for you to say, Jesus. But what about us who are living in the real world? That's why the Psalms are so wonderful, because you see human emotion on full display. The sadness, the anguish, the anger, the anxiety, the uncertainty that fills the hearts of all of us from time to time. We learn what to do with it. Now, oftentimes, we can find the context that the Psalms were written from. It'll say, if you'll look back at chapter 13, right under the title, mine says, How Long, O Lord? Right under that, it says, To the Choir Master, a Psalm of David. And quite often, it'll say there, with that, um, a Psalm of David when he was running from Absalom, or when he was running from... Saul and hiding in a cave and so you'll get an understanding and then you can even go back to first and second Samuel and read what was going on in David's life so we can get some understanding but as you see here we have no context whatsoever I think that that's so fitting because now we can just immediately apply it to our context and we can just see I don't know what was going on in David's Life, but I know what was happening in his heart as he pours out his heart. And while we don't know what he was going through, we can see somebody else has felt how I feel right now. King David, one of the greatest characters in Scripture. King David felt how I feel. And he was called a man after God's own heart. And he slayed Goliath. And even he was broken, just like I am. As we look at our text, there are three natural breaks. Remember, it's a song. And so, the way that we have a verse and a chorus and a verse and a chorus in most of our music, we can see that in Psalm 13. If you look with me, verse 1 and 2 are together. And so the translators of the Bible are showing you the natural break in the song. So verse 1 and 2, it's one thought. Verse 3 and 4 is another thought. And then verse 5 and 6 is yet another. A really simple general outline would be verses 1 and 2 are David expressing his helplessness. In verses 3 and 4, it's David, David's prayer for help. And then verses 5 and 6, what David intends to do while he waits for help. So that's essentially what we will be looking at this morning. How long, O Lord, he opens up. You can almost hear David's anguished cry. How long, O Lord? How long? We love to say that time flies. And it most certainly does when you're having fun. and When all things are going smoothly. But allow some suffering to come in. Allow something to throw off your plans. Let in a little chaos and even three minutes will feel like an eternity. Have you ever felt that way? Jeez, is this day ever going to end? I looked at the clock 20 hours ago, and five minutes have passed. I know I've been there. In those moments, we feel that. How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? Waiting on the Lord is never easy. We speak of a Christian's need for patience and that patience is a virtue, and indeed it is, but never do we speak of patience as being the easiest virtue. It's certainly not. We'd be found to be liars if that's how we were selling and portraying patience. No, the opposite is true. Waiting can be grueling. Whether it be waiting on something to download on your phone, Waiting on dinner to be ready, waiting on your work day to be in, be done, or waiting on the Lord to answer a desperate cry for help. Waiting is difficult. Waiting can be draining. Waiting can make you feel like you're losing your mind. You obsess over whatever it is that you're waiting for. What's taking so long? How long, O oh Lord? How long? Do you not hear me down here? Maybe it's some difficult life and season in your life that seems to go well beyond just a season. You're saying this isn't a season anymore, this is just my life. I wake up and it's hard. I go to sleep and it's hard. I go to lunch and it's I'm hurting. How long, O Lord? You're waiting on the Lord, and he seems to be uninterested in picking up the pace. David says, will you forget me forever? Now, it would be very easy to criticize David's theology here, wouldn't it? David, come on, David. God can't forget. Duh. God is omniscient, David. Duh. He knows all things, David. duh. What's wrong with you? You know better than this, David. Pull yourself together. Just try harder, David. You know about God's attributes, David. But this is how he feels. I feel forgotten. I know that God is there. I know that he's real. I know that he's omniscient. But I feel like he forgot me. I feel like he's abandoned me. I feel like he's not going to answer me. What's wrong with you, David? How can an omniscient God forget? How can an omnipresent God vanish? I thought the Lord was your shepherd. David, Psalm 23, you know this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What happened to that, David? I thought the Lord was your shepherd. Now he forgot you? Which one is it, David? This is how we can feel, though, isn't it? We might know better, but this might be exactly what our emotions tell us. But this is what's so beautiful about this psalm. Of course it's not true what he's saying, but it is true that he feels that way. Our feelings aren't always rational. In fact, they rarely ever are. This is case in point here, right? But that doesn't change the fact that it's there. And and what do I do with it now that it's here? What do I do with it now that this is how I feel? I feel like he's forgotten me. But I want you to notice what David does here. He doesn't make his emotions God. He takes his emotions to God. He doesn't say, this is how I feel, so this is how I'm going to respond. He says, this is how I feel, I'm going to take it to God. My feelings are not God. I'm going to take them to God. So he goes before the Lord and asks him, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever Is this not how it can feel? Are things going to be like this forever? Is COVID-19 ever going to go away? Is God ever going to answer my prayer to save my family? Is God ever going to hear my cries in the middle of the night? Will my boss always treat me like this? Will this church ever be where it needs to be? Will my family ever come to Christ? Will my marriage ever get better? Will my children always be this disobedient? How long, O Lord? They're the words we cry when we've run out of words. It's the cry of complete exasperation. The people of Israel cried the same thing in Lamentations 5.20. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Where are you? How long will you hide your face from me? Waiting for longer than you expect always makes you feel like you've been forgotten. Why are you hiding from me, Lord? Where are you? Have you ever felt that way? like God's just not even, where is he? Has he forgotten about me? The waiting has caused him to wonder if maybe he's all alone. He might know the real answer to that question, but it doesn't change the fact that this situation is making him feel this way. He isn't assuming that God is playing cosmic hide-and-seek with him. He's expressing how alone he feels. It's truly an awful way to feel, isn't it? That not even God is going to hear you. That not even God is coming to your help. That not even God listens to your prayer. That not even God has enough compassion to turn to you and help you in your hour of need. How long, O oh Lord? Now, I do want to make something clear. There is an assumption of the Psalms. The large majority of the time, the assumption is that those who are, who are singing the Psalter are pursuing righteousness. And are truly living for the Lord because there are certainly times when the Lord would indeed be far from you and not answer your prayers. Isaiah 59.2 But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not answer. When we are living in unrepentant sin, our prayers are hindered. Make no mistake of that. When we are actively in rebellion against the Lord, our prayers are hindered by our sin. Our communion with the Lord is damaged until we pray the prayer of contrition, meaning we come before the Lord broken over our sin, confessing our sin to him and asking to be cleansed of our unrighteousness. David models this for us as well in Psalm chapter 51. If you go and read that on your own time, Psalm chapter 51, it's a beautiful psalm of brokenness before the Lord. It's how David writes it after he was caught in his act of adultery with Bathsheba. And he's found out, and so he writes this psalm of brokenness and contrition before the Lord. And that's what it needs to look like. The honest, heartfelt prayer of repentance is heard by the Lord. So the assumption here is the opposite, that you're living a godly lifestyle, serving the Lord. Of course, we know this doesn't mean you won't sin. We know that. We will never live a sinless life. Only Jesus did. Yet we're in pursuit of more of Christ, that we may be more like Christ. But even in those times, we can experience seasons of great despair. And sorrow and even distance from the Lord. There have certainly been times in my own life when I felt distant from God. When I looked up to the sky and I said, Man, where where are you right now? Do you even hear me? Is anyone listening to my prayer? But oftentimes we find that He's teaching us to mature in those seasons, to not rely on goosebumps. Or rely on tears during a worship song, or rely on any kind of other physical, emotional experience, but just to plain old trust God. God, I know you said this. I'm going to trust it. I don't feel that way, though. And that's what we see from this Psalm. Verse two, we see how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow? The idea expressed here is anxiety. Have you ever been wrestling in your mind with your own thoughts? You just mull something over and over and over and then that pit comes in the bottom of your stomach and you're anxious. And this is what David is saying. I'm I'm just rehashing this over and over. All I can think about is what's happening in my life and why God isn't here yet. Just checking my watch. He said he'd be here. He said he'd be here. Where is he? We begin to feel anxious and as David says, I carry sorrow all the day long. Anxiety has no place in the hearts of the children of the Most High God, but we do often find it there, don't we? Sadness has no place in our hearts when our sins are forgiven, but... We do often find it there, don't we? It's part of the human experience. Your nonstop thinking and thinking about something tends to do much more harm than good. Do we have any chronic overthinkers in here? I think if we're being honest, probably uh, 92% of the hands would go up, right? I think about it too much, I can't stop thinking about it. I wake up, I think about it, I go to sleep, I think about it. How long, oh Lord? Am I gonna carry this around all the time, or are you going to answer me? Where are you? Do you not care about me anymore? This is how it feels. And then he says, the worst of the worst. How long? how long shall my enemy be exalted over me nothing pours salt on your wound like that right it's the idea here is where is your god i thought you believed in that god stuff where is he when all disaster seems to be breaking loose in your life and it's one thing after another and you barely finish cleaning up the last mess when then all of a sudden there's a new mess. What am I going to do? thought you believed in God. Where is he, huh? Why don't you call upon the name of your Lord? Where is he? It's your enemy gloating over you. Now maybe this voice comes from This question comes from real voices around you, your friends and your family, your your co-workers, maybe even your spouse. I told you that God stuff wasn't real. You just have to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. He's not coming for you. You feel utterly defeated. Maybe he's right. Maybe I have wasted a lot of my time believing in a God that's not going to answer my prayer. Maybe I have invested too much of my time in a God who's not real. Maybe this God only listens to the preachers and the evangelists. How long, O Lord? Consider and answer me, he prays. In these times, when this happens, do what David did. He goes to the Lord. Come to the Lord in prayer. Bring Him your anguish. Bring Him your sorrow, your anxieties. Cast your heavy burdens upon Him. Rest assured, His shoulders can handle it. This is David's prayer for help. Look at me. Answer me. Oh Lord, my God. If you don't come and intervene, this is all going to fall apart. I can't last much longer. Answer me. He says, light up my eyes. What he's expressing can be understood as, light up the eyes of my heart that I can see clearly in this dark abyss that I'm in. Help me to see what you're doing here, God. Help me to see and believe that you actually are here right now. Cheer me up, O Lord, for in you I find my joy. Bring light back to my weary eyes. My eyes are getting heavy out here, God. Do you hear me? If you don't come, I will sleep the sleep of death. Lest I die, lest my enemy get the last laugh and claim his victory over me. If you don't show up, O oh Lord, this is what will happen. Verse 4 Lost people love to watch. Found people. Lost people love to watch found people fail and fall. You may never know it. You may never find out, but they watch your life. They see what you're doing. They're looking sometimes to see if this whole God thing is even real. And sometimes they're looking for a moment to say, ha ha, I knew it wasn't real. Look at you. Look at your life. It's falling apart. I knew it wasn't real, and I'm doing just fine without your great God. Really, what's happening is that sinners love to find a reason to justify their continued sin. If I can find a reason to believe that God is not real, then I don't have to listen to him. People who are still in their sin want to stay in their sin and they will look for every opportunity to justify their lifestyle sometimes they'll find a reason in the perceived defeat of a christian you lost your job you prayed so hard for that family member to be healed and they died anyway you lost your home you got sick Disaster struck in your home. See, I told you he wasn't real. This is David's prayer. Lord, please don't let me fall. Don't let me stumble. Don't let me lose my footing because I claimed that my life was built on the solid rock. And if I am shaken, then how solid can this rock really be? In Psalm 62, David boasts, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. I'll be made to be a liar and the Lord will be made to be weak. Please, God, come through. Please keep my faith intact. Please don't let me fall apart. Don't let me fall away. I'm barely hanging on as it is. Verse 5, but... I have trusted in you. It's your steadfast love. We see David's resolve. Remember I said at the beginning to take your feelings to God. Your feelings are not God. And now David reminds his own weary heart. I have poured out my heart before you, God. Now I will remind myself who I serve. I have trusted in your steadfast love. Wait a second. I don't trust in myself. I don't trust in my own weak hands. I don't trust in my own intellect. I don't trust in my job. I don't trust in people. I have trusted in your steadfast love. It's perfectly fine to bring your song of lament before the Lord because once you begin to remember who your trust is really in, your song will turn to a song of joy. After you've poured your heart out before the Lord, let it be filled back up by the Lord. See, what happens too many times is that we stop at verse 4. Just cry and sad and despondent and despair. But we never remind ourselves who it is we serve. I don't serve myself. I don't care that I feel this way. I have trusted in the Lord God Almighty. I have trusted in the steadfast love, the unfailing love of my God, of Yahweh, Pour out your sorrow and replace it with joy. Notice what he does here. Up to this point, he's just been talking about how weak he is and how weak he feels. But now he reminds himself how strong what he's trusting in is. Your steadfast love. Not somebody else's. Your steadfast love, oh God. Some of your translations might say unfailing love or loving kindness But it's all the same idea that God's love never fails, ever. Even when it feels like it has, it never fails. God's love never changes. Your situation will always change, but God's love is unchanging. Your heart and flesh may fail, but God's love will never fail. Your heart may grow weary, dear friend, but God never grows weary of loving his children. This is the kind of love you can trust. You can't trust your feelings. You can only express your feelings. But you can trust God's love for you. You can build your life on this. Thus, we find four ways to wait on the Lord from verses 5 and 6. If you have the bulletin, it's right in front of you. Number one, trust. Trust in the steadfast love of the Lord. Know that he never fails and he never leaves his children. He's never lost a battle. He never will. Even when it feels as though he's far away, he's ever present though you might feel like you're all alone, God never abandons his children. Don't let your feelings lie to you. Number two, rejoice. If you are a child of God, you have a reason to rejoice in every season, even when it doesn't look like it, even when all the walls are collapsing even when everything's getting turned off and your car gets repossessed and every, all your friends leave you, you still have a reason to rejoice if you are a child of God because you are a child of God. Your life may end in complete despair and disarray, but the moment you cross over into glory, my friend, it will all be worth it. All of it. Rejoice that Jesus has borne the wrath You deserved upon the cross of Calvary Rejoice in the gospel It's exactly what he says, is it not? I will rejoice in your salvation I will rejoice I've got nothing else to hang on to right now But I've got my salvation I know that the Lord has saved me. I know that my God poured his blood for me. I know that my sins are forgiven. And I am a child of God, as the song says, by grace and grace alone. I can rejoice in that. Worship, number three. As Job did in the midst of his deepest sorrow. He said, the Lord has taken. The Lord gives and the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No matter what, our circumstances do not dictate whether or not we will worship the Lord. He is good no matter what season we are in. Even in the deepest, coldest winter, the sun is still shining. God's love God's worth, God's value, His beauty, His majesty, they're never tarnished by our circumstances. It doesn't depend on whether or not we are living the perceived good life. God is good because He's good. God's not good because He does good things. God does good things because He's good. All that God does is good because He is perfect and flawless and holy. He deserves our worship in every season. Number four, remember. Nothing fuels your worship. Nothing brings confidence back to your soul. Nothing makes you sing like remembering His goodness. Look at that. Verse 6, the very last line. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. What a drastic change that is. He starts by saying, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And he ends with saying, I will sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. Do you see what happened there, church? Feel your feelings, feel your sorrow, feel your anguish, feel your despair, but take it to the Lord. And remember who you serve. Remember how good he's been to you. Remember that even behind the darkest stormy clouds, the sun is still shining brightly. It's not going anywhere. God's love for you is not going anywhere. If you focus on your situation, if you focus on your stress, your sorrow your anxiety how difficult things are then how long you've been praying the same prayer, then yeah absolutely, you'll feel nothing but negativity but the moment you tell your feelings to remember the God you serve the moment that you look at your situation and say, I'm not going to focus on this, I can't change it I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to remember what he has done for me. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to rejoice that I am saved. And I'm going to trust him. Tell your feelings to remember who this God is that you serve. Tell your brain to remember all that God has done for you. Tell your heart to be of good cheer for the Lord is with you then worship will spring forth from your mouth instead of lament. We all feel. We all reach our breaking point. We all are crushed sometimes under the weight of anxiety. But let us remember this morning, church, that our feelings are not God. We take our feelings to God. And let's trust Him let us rejoice in him. Let us worship him and remember how good he's been to us. Let's stand. How long, O oh Lord? I don't know the answer to that question. But what I do know is what I can do while I wait. Look at this psalm and let it be the template for your life. Remember to trust in Him. Remember to rejoice in Him. Remember to worship. And remember to remember. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for your loving kindness, your unfailing love. We thank you, God, that you are a sure rock for our feet. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you no matter what's happening in our lives, God. Lord, we thank you, God, that you have these examples in Scripture of, of brokenness for when we feel broken, Lord. Lord, I pray that you strengthen our hearts for everybody who's going through anything at all right now God I just pray that you strengthen us I pray that you cause us to do as David did to trust you to worship you to rejoice in you to remember how good you are for you are worthy of all of please go with us to protect us and keep us in the name of Jesus we pray amen Grace and peace and mercy to you all.